everyone, it's Davin here. I'm a psychiatrist and a regular family guy. Uh, if this is the first time you are joining us, welcome to the Huddle Wisdom Podcast. This is where we talk about mental models, frameworks and concepts to help you and your loved ones navigate complex situations in life. This week, I'm going to talk about the notion of empathy in autistic spectrum disorder. I'm going to talk about some common misconceptions and uh, my ideas about what is what what are best practices to help people improve their social reading skills. So it doesn't just apply to uh, individuals who have autistic spectrum disorder, but anyone who has difficulties with their social reading skills. Let's nail down what it means to empathize. My my definition of of empathy is a two-part definition. So I can break down empathy into two basic components. One is a, there's a cognitive or thinking component. And then second is an affective or a feeling component. So this speaks to the ability to appreciate what someone else could be thinking uh, in response to something. And then the ability to appreciate what someone else is feeling in response to something. There's this idea that people with autistic spectrum disorder can't empathize. And and that's not actually true. I mean, they, they can. People with autistic spectrum disorder may be less attentive to things like facial expressions or body language, things that we know can indicate emotional reactivity. People who have difficulties with social reading might focus more on the content of what is said in a literal sort of fashion. We know that there's much more to communication than just words. There's facial expression, there's body language. So just to reiterate, you know, people with autistic spectrum disorder, it's not so much that they have impairments in their capacity to recognize emotions. They just may be slower picking up and making sense of certain behaviors or facial expressions and connecting what is said to what is felt. And then it leads to misunderstandings and misreading and confusion. And uh, if someone gets it wrong enough times, they may want to avoid interpersonal interactions. You know, we all want to avoid pain, and it makes sense that um, uh, people with autistic spectrum disorder may want to stay away from social situations. Not because they don't want to be around people, you know, they, they want to connect, but they have difficulties knowing how to connect. As opposed to people with so-called schizoid personality, they avoid people because they don't want to be around people, they don't need people. Sometimes people with autistic spectrum disorder are super aware of affective responses, but they can't tie that to cognitive processes. So it can be quite hard to make sense of complex emotional situations. And emotions can actually overwhelm them and create anxiety. Young children with or without autistic spectrum disorder have quite similar abilities to pick up on simple emotions, such as you know, anger, happiness, fear, surprise. But those more nuanced Subtle emotions, guilt, shame, takes longer to learn. You know, there are different shades of the various primary colors, you know. So, you know, it's not just blue, green, yellow, red. There's uh, teal, there's uh, magenta, there's, you know, um, all these various um, in-between type colors. Similarly, emotions can, can be very much like that. Obviously, it can get very overwhelming. So children with autistic spectrum disorder typically take much longer 
to uh, appreciate the different um, shades of emotions uh, across the spectrum of human experience. So, you know, we can appreciate how difficult it is for children as, um, as they and their peers get older, uh, the social pressures and demands of uh, life increase, you know, social interactions become more complex. And if kids are not able to um, keep up with their social reading skills, they, they can get left behind. The flip side, not only is there difficulty appreciating cognitive and affective components of interactions with people, there's also difficulties understanding complex emotions in themselves. Social reading skill development begins with improving awareness of how we react to other people from a cognitive perspective and an affective perspective. Learning about how we react, we can then start to build a bank of information that helps us to make sense of what other people may be experiencing. So this has implications then for guiding young people with impaired social reading skills by first helping them to become more aware of what they're thinking and of what they're feeling. Because if they can do that, we can then extrapolate that understanding to empathizing. You can use the daily grind of life, daily interactions as fodder for, for teaching. We need to capitalize on teachable moments because kids have a hard time generalizing emotional literacy concepts. Uh, yes, you can drill specific techniques and strategies, but it's, it, sometimes it doesn't generalize very well. So I'll give you an example. For kids with social anxiety, we might get them to practice asking strangers what the time is. They might get really good at asking strangers what the time is, but they still get anxious in social situations. Unless, of course, the social situation calls for asking for the time. The same thing happens when we're trying to teach uh, social reading skills or, you know, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have to, um, you know, bang your head against the wall trying to figure out, you know, what kinds of activities to devise for your young person so that they can then practice um, social skills. You know, you can use just everyday life. And we, we don't have to get too complicated with respect to the structure of how you set up your conversations with, um, and just ask them really simple questions. You know, what, what do you think they were thinking at that time? What do you think they were feeling at that time? Even better is to ask the young person what they were thinking and what they were feeling at the time. That's going to give you the best bang for your buck. Remember when I said before, if you can improve a young person's self-awareness of what they're thinking and what they are feeling, over time they build up this repository, this, uh, this information bank. A couple of tips for uh, new players. Um, so people with autistic spectrum disorder uh, in the early stages of teaching them this stuff, you know, have a, have a, they're almost colorblind. What I mean is that before when I told you, uh, you know, people may have a good sense of what the primary colors are, but they may have difficulties um, seeing the um, in-between colors, those different shades of colors. 
you might be colorblind to that. For example, say that um, the child I have with autistic spectrum disorder has said something that has caused me to feel shame. I will exaggerate my body language and my facial expression. You know, really ham it up. Because if you're subtle, that subtlety will be lost on the young person. So you have to make it really um, exaggerated. And then you can talk about it. You can ask them, um, you know, what, what they thought and what they felt when they saw that. And then, you know, over time, you can you can refine the expressions um, so they become more subtle. You know, sh- shame is a, a difficult emotion to, to, uh, to understand. You know, it's not, you know, with anger and happiness, there's easily recognizable facial expressions. But with shame, it's a little bit more subtle. Um, anyway, that's just an example. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I wouldn't suggest that you go and drill this stuff because, like I said earlier, it doesn't generalize very well. But you have to um, you have to have these regular check-in sessions with your young person using teachable moments every day. The, the other thing to keep in mind for new players is that folks with ASD tend to get overwhelmed by um, certain stimulus. You know, they're sensory uh, sensitive and can be uh, monotromic, mo- sorry, monotropic, you know, single-minded, be overly sensitive to certain textures or smells or certain sights or sounds might offend them and can be very distracting. So clearly this has some implications for classroom environments. If you're a teacher, you may need to... Um, Look at how you accommodate. Uh, The last thing I'll say on the topic is that we need to have realistic expectations of our young people with ASD. They won't easily outgrow these difficulties. Uh, In fact, I would go as far as to say they won't outgrow them. But there's hope because they can learn this stuff and they can learn it very, very well. So, hey, look, it's not easy. And um, I think it does take a a small village to to make this work even better. But even if you don't have a small village, it's quite possible to to teach this stuff. Uh, You just have to be consistent and persistent. And you need to remember that um, you are good enough. Okay, hey, it was very nice to, um, to have you join me. I hope that that was useful to you. And I hope that you can um, turn what I've said into actionable plans. Um, There's also a couple of courses, paid courses, that will be coming soon. Uh, Ground Rules to Empathic Discipline and the Foundations of Emotional Literacy. So look out in your inboxes if you're a subscriber to our email list. If you're not, I encourage you to sign up and I'll let you know about when those courses are dropping. Okay, well that's it for this week. If you liked the show, um, and if you want to, you can support it on uh, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash huddle wisdom. Um, any contribution goes a long way. It does help me to spend a bit more time um, creating content for the podcast. All right. Well, uh, with that, I'll sign off now. Um, travel well, go well, be safe. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye.